friends welcome back to operation opera elise and i had a chance to have a very in-depth chat about various things relating to integrity both artistically and personally enjoy you know where is the line of defending yourself and your honor right as an artist and as a person and where is the line of being a good colleague who is easy to work with and very, very professional. And when that line is crossed um, into the sort of negative space, you know, how do you, how do you recover from that? And what are the appropriate steps to do that? In a first rehearsal, there will always, 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 always be give and take. There has to be. Because you're getting used to a new room, you're getting used to new people, you're, you know, you're feeling a space, you're fe- like this, and especially if there's any kind of cuts, any kind of adjustments that have been made in a score, like it's going to take just a little bit of time. It's not going to take very much time because when you're a good musician, you pick up on it quickly, but like, it's going to take a second to be like, oh, that's right. That's there. And you know, and especially if there's any kind of like rewriting that's been done or sort of reorganization, like you just kind of have to uh, be a little bit flexible, you know, in that, in that first time through, because everyone's in a new space and that's what's going to, like you were saying, foster creativity. And, um, and I think that most people, have a general you know a general kind of understanding of that um and anyone who doesn't i just question if they really know much about uh, music and opera because you know or just you know about you know i mean it's a rehearsal for a reason right like rehearsals by definition are not perfect things like it's it's a time to to figure out sort of where we are, what we're doing, you know, where we're going and not to be like, Oh, where are the notes? Um, like, but to, to figure out, you know, where, where the give and take is, you know, it's not, yes. like, I'm sorry, what opera are we doing? You know, it's not that it's like, right. You know, well, unfortunately like though, in my upside case, down and be like, Oh, the notes go that way, you know, like, yeah. Well, unfortunately, in my case, I had two of those situations happen to me. One was, where are the notes? Because, oh, as part of these cuts, some of these notes have been rewritten from what is in the score. And was Interesting. that, and was that well, given to you? Like, was, was that given to you before? With, yeah. But was it given to you before with at least some kind of sound structure? Because anytime, I mean, anytime I've done a new work, 
Um, and essentially, I feel like if you've rewritten a part, like there's there's an element of a new work in there because it's not something that was before. Mm-hmm. Um, you are also given an MP3 or a MIDI file of some kind or like, you know, someone playing, you know, along to a yeah. click track, something so that you have a content like, a, you know, a harmonic context. And yes. if you don't have that, like you can't actually learn it. And depending on one, how much you're getting paid, like you may or may not like to do that new role or to do that new, you know, sort of like put together thing, you may or may not be able to afford to do all the coachings that are necessary to get that harmonic, you know, sort of structure into you. And, and if they aren't paying you enough, (laughs) then please, please, please always provide an MP3, you know, always provide, you know, something that has the part and then something that has it removed so that you actually, as an artist can take the time to work it into you so that when you show up to that first rehearsal, like, you know what to expect, which by the way, will still be a little bit different because, a recorded piece is always going to be different than the sound in a new space, you know, with someone, play, right. you know, playing or conducting at a slightly different tempo. Yes. Like it's, yes. there's, there's going and to be it, give and take in all of those sorts of things. But, but there are certain things that just you need to give to someone because they're not reading the music the way that a clarinet reads the music. The voice is different. Yeah. Um, yes. And unless you have perfect pitch, which I hate right. you. You know, like, I hate I'm you. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Rachel, a few, a few comments on this. Thank you. Um, I agree. And I think that from that first rehearsal, when you're running through the recitatives and have <laughs> help us flipping pages faster than you can handle because you're trying to make music out of this slice and dice situation <laughs> that it has become, um, which I, I've spoken with. I mean, and you have to with Mozart, right? Especially with Figaro. Like, it is freaking long. And if you were to do the whole thing, you would be there as long as Wagner requires you to be there. And, like, you know, there's only certain times where that's okay. So we're glad, but... Yeah. Well, and that's... Yeah, exactly. That's that's one opinion. And I'll tell you, I've been gathering a lot of opinions from... At the end of the day, at the end of the day... (laughs) Do you want to create something that inspires or do you want to not? (laughs) You want to be right or be better. No, I, I mean, I mean, in the sense of, in the sense of, do you want to catch someone or do you want to inspire someone? Do you want to, you know, what is it that you want to accomplish and what in this industry... I feel like something that's really good for young singers to think about as they're going into, you know, a professional situation is that if you have any questions about the score to email, call, message the conductor and ask for clarification and then take it to a coach. And if you can, in any time, work with the actual conductor beforehand, do it. Like one, because it establishes a personal relationship And two, because it'll make sure that you have, like, whatever thing is is even just slightly, like, I wonder if you've got, you're there. Um, And and I think that 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 is just a really, really good practice to have. 
Um, it's unfortunate that I don't think that, you know, that it sounds to me like that probably wouldn't have made much of a difference in this situation. Um, but, well, but I do think that it's, it's a good practice for people to get into, like, there's no shame in wanting clarification. And there is yeah. absolutely no, and you don't gain anything by coming in and, and hoping that it'll be good. <laughs> um, and I'm not yeah. saying that that's what you did. I'm, but what I'm saying, I'm just saying like for, for those listening, if they're ever in a position where they've been given crazy weird cuts or, you know, strange, like, you know, rewritings, like to ask for clarification so that, yeah. you know, when, when that rehearsal comes, you, you feel, you can feel more confident and also, again, like there, it's great to be able to start to establish a relationship and, and um, you know, and have experiences outside of the ensemble setting. Yeah, definitely. And I, I would say it's interesting because um, I received the cuts six weeks to the day before the first rehearsal, and so not a ton of time to to put that all in the score and make sense of it, but. Um, one of the conductors that I've consulted with was saying that in the case of, of cuts to, to a score like these in particular, he tries to get them to the person six months in advance. The AGMA, the AGMA minimum is six weeks. And he said more than six months if, if possible, which I think is great, you know, because the more time, the better. And I'll tell you why, because when you have a life outside of, I mean, I wish I could be a full-time opera singer and that's all I do but I actually have a lot else going on in my life. Well, and frankly, uh, that's that's the world we're living in now. I, I don't know very many opera singers who don't also have a regular job of some sort or something else that they do that they enjoy, that they make money at, because the jobs just are too, too few and far between to be able to be truly sustainable, um, you know, as a full-time career. I mean, I have a, f a few very dear friends that are, you know, doing really, really well. And I love that. And I wish that that could be for everyone. But it's just it just isn't because the pool of available things just is is um, is just smaller and or maybe not available things like you can always find a sh excuse me, a show to be in. Uh, but whether or not that pays well or whether or not the orchestra is actually there or can play. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, there's lots of factors that go into it. Um, but, you know, obviously like your work can always be stellar. Um, but I feel like, uh, that's just not the world we're living in. And anyone who is still treating, treating it like it is, um, is, is mistaken. <laughs> like, you know, but we all, you know, it's sort of like, you know, when, when you were in school and, and, you know, you'd go and you pick up your books and you go to a class and they're like, you need to read 200 pages this week. And then you go to another class and they're like, you need to read, you know, 150 pages. And you're like, well, how am I going to how am I, how am I going to read all of these things? You know, it's this is not my only class. Um, I have to be able to, you know, devote time to other things. And so you end up just skimming. And I think like that happens a lot with with companies that are, you know, maybe not where they would like to be on the totem pole of, um, you know, of rank, <laughs> um, yeah. but where they feel they should be. And 
I mean, the fact is, the more we can put into something and the more nuanced we can make it as artists, the better it's going to be. And giving more time so that you and it doesn't mean that you're going to spend more time over that six months than you would if you only had six weeks to prepare. Um, In fact, you know, there are companies I know that you only get like four weeks, sometimes even two weeks to really prepare, which which is kind of insane for me. Um, But it doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means that during that two week period, that's all you're doing. Um, and you can't really afford that, (laughs) um, unless they're paying you, you know, a, a house prices, you know, unless they're paying you a house, um, an a house salary and, and an a house would never do that to you. (laughs) I mean, unless you're coming in as a pinch hit cover, in which case they will, they will definitely, you know, pay you handsomely for that. And they will also, um, provide the coachings that you need because they want the product to be of a certain caliber and they know what it takes to get that. Right. So, yeah. I feel like um, it's so tough, this position that you're being put in, but I also think that taking the time to to see yourself as you know, both an individual, but also as the representative of, of, you know, potentially what this means on a larger scale is a very smart place to sort of see yourself. Because I think um, being able to come in and just, you know, a person in a position of power, being able to come in and just like totally upend somebody's life uh, that has prepared something for a specific time and purpose and, has taken a lot of time to do that. And then you can just say, oh, yeah. never mind. We're not going to do that that way. I feel like there should be some repercussions for that. Definitely. Yeah. Because it sounds well, like there aren't any, like at this point, like there aren't any repercussions well, for that choice and on, on their part. And to me, that is very dangerous. Like that's a dangerous yeah. precedent to, to start to implement into the world of opera. Yes. Well, and I wanted to mention too, on the comment you made before, um, that I I arrived in at this uh, <clears throat> in the city of this opera company, um, knowing that those three weeks of rehearsal process would be I would be essentially, you know, when I'm not in rehearsal and and for Countess, you know, she doesn't enter, she's not in the in Act One, and so as far as rehearsals go, she has a couple dark days that first rehearsal week. And I was really planning on like drilling and drilling during the time I was there because I'm basically like, that's a dedicated time for it, you know, and getting, getting the cut six weeks in advance was not my favorite. I wish that I could have had them more in advance just because, but honestly, the first time I went through them, I thought that I went through them with a fine tooth comb and wrote everything in that applied to me. And, and later, actually it was two more times later that I was looking through it just because this type of a document is not something that I am used to, um, interpreting. It's, it hasn't been an, it, part of my experience as a singer to date. This is the first time that I have dealt with a cuts list of this nature. I've definitely had cuts and that's not a problem. And so I thought that it would be something similar to that. And I, you know, I wrote them in and I, and I began practicing them and, um, 
anyway. Um, yeah, well, and you, but, know, yeah. you just don't want to have that precedent set of, you better know everything before you get there, backwards and forwards to the point of, like, you know, your job is on the line. Like, create, well, creating right. that kind of fear in your cast is not right. a place to have creative expression. Like, there, you know, it, it's... And I recognize, like, well, that doesn't mean also. That also doesn't mean like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want. We'll figure it out. Like, you know, no. I'm not saying be lackadaisical. I'm, but I am saying that there has to be, there has to be give and take, like in any kind of collaborative situation. There just has to be, because right. that's what it is to be collaborative. <laughs> like that's what it is to be right. in any kind of, you know, if you want to go and live in a vacuum, to, well, it's not really possible. Like, yeah. So. <laughs> no, but that's the thing is I love the collaboration. I treasure the collaboration. And uh, and I was so looking forward to working with these colleagues. And, and um, <laughs> the, other, the other conductors that I consulted with were all very, I don't know, very kind people. And I'm not saying the conductor I was dealing with wasn't a kind person. I think he was a little disingenuous because I think he knew that the general director wanted to get rid of me and he didn't let on and he didn't, con he didn't express any concerns to my face. No one talked to me and looked me in my eyes um, and, and told me what was going on or what they saw that, they, that was causing them concern. It was like they wrote me off. It was the opposite of giving me the benefit of the doubt. Um, but you know what I took away from this situation, Rachel, I am so much stronger than I thought I was. I went into that first rehearsal, like I've been dealing the last, gosh, two years or so I've been dealing with some anxiety that I never was never a part of my life before, but it's affected my singing. I went to a, an audition in uh, April of 2018 and it, I started with the, with the uh, Nomidir and it was like, <laughs> I went to sing in the recit, you know, in the opening. Mm -hmm. Um, and my throat closed when I was going up to that B flat and I was like, uh, uh, excuse me. And I just like, I, my anxiety was affecting me to the extent that I was, not able to express myself vocally. Right. And um, by March of the following year, so almost a year later, I ended up on some medication, a mood stabilizer um, for, and it wasn't just related to my singing, but it was my life that was affecting my singing. Mm -hmm. And and it's interesting because I, I about a month before rehearsal started, I, I started doing meditations every day and I downloaded an app that was recommended by one of my yoga, yoga instructors, who's awesome. And I just started listening. I just started carving out at least five minutes, probably between five and 20 minutes a day, um, to meditate, to unplug, to relax, to let go. And I let that be my, my medicine in a way. And it really did sort of, when I started on the mood stabilizer it immediately like it freaked me out because it was so immediate, but all of the, the things that were triggers for me or things that would cause that sort of anxious reaction in me, it was like they were farther away. Mm -hmm. It was like there was more space between me and them. And so I had, I had a 
a short, a, a slower response time. And that was really helpful um, because it gave me, I guess it's the limbic system, right? It was my animal brain that was, that was responding so quickly and it kind of like dampered my, I, I don't, yeah. Yeah. And so my, my actual like prefrontal cortex, that's like the reason why we, <laughs> you know, we are humans and we have like the ability to reason that was able to take us, take a larger role in that response. Um, but what I noticed was, so, so the reason why I did the meditation was because I said, you know, come hell or high water, I will not be anxious when I sing this role. And that's what I meant when I told you and Mark yesterday, yesterday. Yeah. About, um, like it was the first date and I was not nervous is because that was, that was my number one objective. Of course, learn the role, you know, enjoy the role Mozart, you know, like sing it girl. But you got to be and able I to really sing was, it. And if you get nervous and anxious, you're not going to be able to sing it. So you had to that's right. get that under control. Yeah. Yes. And that's why that was my priority. And what I realized also after the first rehearsal was, okay, I hadn't had a chance to go to get, it was actually because I, I ran out of my prescription. It, it needed to be refilled. And I didn't, I didn't know that there was no warning from the pharmacy. I didn't check my bottle. I'm, I'm not a real pharmaceutical person. So I didn't know about all that. And so it ran out and I ended up having to get it refilled in the city that I was traveling to and then make my way over there. And it took up a bit of the first day. Um, but I, so I didn't have a chance to get groceries, but I did have food and um, I thought, was I, was I low on, was my, was my blood sugar low? Was I, you know, was I spacey because I have medication plus meditation and it's making me too far removed from situations, you know, was it my fault? Like I've gone through this, this oh, first course, rehearsal of course. It's so many times in my mind, such a sensitive topic, this, I mean, I want to be raw, <laughs> well, but like, but it is a sensitive when you talk topic about, because, you know, you're talking about people's reputations, you're talking about people's you know, choices that they've made. And, and we can never know all the choices, you know, and the reasons for all of those choices. Um, but, but, um, but it is very important to, you know, call it out when, when something, you know, when something is systemically broken. Yes. Yes. And I think, you know, it takes courage to do that, but it's so important and, and I'm, I'm not trying to judge anyone because I really, that's not something that I like to do. That's not something that, that brings me any sense of satisfaction on any level. But, you know, if, if somebody achieved their position by doing something, oh gosh, that made them lose respect for themselves, if they were willing to sell their soul on some level, you know, then what would keep them from, you know, from being unsupportive of someone who could, who could be construed as their competition? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's, a, that's a tiny fish to fry when you've been, when you've done something. Ugh, I, I can't we, believe I'm talking about this right well, now. I don't know what, we, I don't know how to talk about it. <laughs> well, when we paint ourselves into a corner of judgment right and we've decided on some level like i have done this thing therefore i am bad therefore yeah. anything else that i that i do is worthless and has no meaning because i've done this other thing that is so bad uh that kind of judgment that we sort of put on ourselves 
is just so damaging because it doesn't allow room for growth and it doesn't allow room for forgiveness which is one of the most important things that most important gifts that we can give to ourselves and the most important gifts that we can give to other people um, is the recognition that imperfection and mistakes and choices are a beautiful and necessary part of the human experience and I think um, you know it also you know when people make these kinds of choices one never knows the reason why like I mean or where you know where the justification comes from I mean you know why I guess you know it's like well they wanted to sing this role so they you know there was a couch um whatever <laughs> like um and I should, probably shouldn't sound so yeah. glib but um but the thing <laughs> is like uh I think the more we try and make that either more or less than what it is the deeper we get into trouble like uh i think you know something that i love like uh, you, you know my my love of Brene brown and 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 sort of these perspectives that she has about and she shared about connection and it and i say Brene brown but really it's you know the research that she has done that has uncovered and sort of brought into light a lot of a lot of these ideas that you know, we are searching for connection. Like when someone wants to be a performer, there is a desire to connect um, on, you know, on a large level, you know, with lots of people or with acclaim or, you know, with the love of music or with all of these things, all these things that, that so often feel like they justify an action. And then therefore they justify all of these sort of actions, excuse me, that come after that. And the repercussions of maybe that action. Um, and, and I feel like uh, to not be honest with ourselves about how that affects us um, is a real disservice. Like, because it does affect us. And so, and you know, I mean, people have different opinions about this. And my opinion is that like, you know, what what we give to the world and what we give to each other should be the things that will never canker. They should be the things that will never destroy. You know, they, it should be the kind of love and joy and beauty and growth that allows for, um, transcendent experiences. And, and I think that, um, it's very easy to misconstrue, in order to gain something that is ultimately fleeting. Um, and, and it's too bad because, you know, like what we're talking about, I know we've kind of like oh, a little bit, um, but like going <laughs> back okay. to this idea with this company, like the choice to, to me, it's to forget what you actually are, which is divine. Um, and when we when we sort of lessen that by by choosing to forget that um that that divinity it should be how do i say this i don't know it's a holy thing right and honored yeah and that kind of honoring requires a love that is so much bigger than sexual um because 
because you never have to be ashamed of it. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's too bad. I love you, Rachel. <laughs> I love you, too. You're wonderful. I, I think listening to you talk, I'm sorry, I'm... I'm getting a little emotional. I'm it's sorry, a but hard time, um, man, all this crap going well, on. Oh. Well, and I just, um, you know, this experience has made me feel so devalued by the people who made the choices that they did, you know, and what I realized as you were talking, because all along I've been consulting with attorneys and I've spoken with four separate attorneys about this case and, they all ask me, well, what is it that you want to get out of this? And, um, and, uh, you know, I thought, well, I want, I want the wrong to be righted. I want justice, you know, and, and then, you know, and that was kind of refuted by the person I was talking to. Right. Because justice <laughs> because he in was, the law doesn't really necessarily exist. And right. that's really the exact sad thing. Yeah. That's what he told me in his in his very smooth talking, jaded way. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Like I, I'm. This has been a learning experience for me. I've never been in a situation like this before, and I hope so I will never, never be in it again. again. But yes. Uh, but who knows? Who knows? Um, I like I said, it has been overall a positive for me in that, in that I I won't let someone else hold me down, and I know that now. That's but, right. Um, Sorry, yeah. So, so the other thing, um, I, cause I've just been thinking about it a lot. Like, what is it that I want out of this situation? Cause I can't sing that role. That, that ship has sailed and that's well, not with that's this company what I because be. holy cow, you are ready to sing it anywhere, anytime now. Yes. And, and what I, what I told the attorney in those first few days before I left the city where I was, where the opera company is and where the production was going to take place is I said, just tell her that I'm ready. Just tell her that I want to sing it. That's what I came here for. That's what I've been preparing for these many months before I came here, you know? And, um, and, uh, you know, it's (laughs) something you'll understand. I, I don't know if there are limits to how raw we can get. I'm talking about so many things right now that I'm like, wow, (laughs) this is really raw, but it was a lot like a miscarriage. Yeah. Because I planned nine months in advance for this, this, um, you know, to give birth to this role in the, with this opera company and, and then it was just yanked away and it was very weird because, you know, you sort of project into the future and you start making plans and you think things are going a certain way and then suddenly, nope. And, um, and a lot of hopes and dreams were tied up in that and uh, suddenly, nope. So, um, the, the second thing I thought I wanted was vindication, right? Was for someone to say, no, you're a good soprano and you prepared well for this role. It was wrong for them to try to release you or to release you from your contract after a first rehearsal where they weren't sufficiently satisfied with your performance. And, but you know what, I'm getting to my point here, (laughs) which is, as you were talking just now, what I realized I want, and I think this is what, why we started the Transparent Singer in the first place, right? What was that, Rachel? I'm trying to remember, 2014, maybe? Yeah, 2013, 2013. 2013. officially launched in 2014, but we started, like, dabbling and, like, recording stuff. Yeah, 
And it was about, it was about being honest with each other and, and about what the experience is, because there are a lot of reasons why people are drawn to classical music and opera and these more refined, um, art forms within music. And we wanted it to be a space where we could speak openly and not have it be competitive and have not have it be, um, you know, this sort of catty backbiting, um, competitive sort of, um, snobby. We wanted transparency and we wanted to keep it real, right? Daring divas keep it real. And so what I'm realizing now that I think I want, and I want it not just for myself, I want it for, I want it for everyone. I want it to be an ongoing process that occurs everywhere on the planet. And that is healing. Yeah, that's what I want. And I don't know how that can be achieved in this situation, but that is what I want. Healing. You know, it's interesting. Um, I've told you a little bit about that book that I have read and continue to read sort of off and on, The Book of Forgiving. Um, yes. I don't know if we've talked about it on a podcast, but, you know, this is Desmond Tutu talking about apartheid and sort of using an experience that his daughter had um, with the death of their housekeeper uh, that was brutally murdered in their home and how it affected their family and the process of them being able to forgive the person that did that and in apartheid you know to forgive the killing and the rape and the years and years of oppression and how do you do that and how do you do that without massive civil war and they did and one of the ways that they did was, you know, through the um, reconciliation, I believe it's called committee. I'm, I'm trying to remember right now, but um, grief and reconciliation committee. But one of the things that like when it comes to healing that I've realized in the last year is that um, that you have to be willing to go to all of the dark places. Like you have to be willing to emotionally get really, really angry and really hurt and talk about all of it and not shy away from the things that will cause other people pain if you can talk with them about them like and if you can't talk with them about them for whatever reason being able to write them out and say them and you say them enough that it doesn't hurt anymore because you've been heard like in the things that I was working through um, and the grief and the anger that I felt from the experiences that I'd had, um, I, I realized like that the only, the only thing that was keeping me from all of that feeling of feeling healing was me, but it took but it took going through the whole thing and not not trying to justify, not trying to make excuses for or um, or say, but this or that or the other, but actually like going through it. And it's probably one of the pers- personally one of the hardest things that I've ever I've ever done. Um, but I feel like as a world, if we would be willing to go and do that instead of like 
beyond the witch hunt, which I feel like is sort of the, the case now. Like we're so often on the witch hunt. It's like this person did that shame on them. You know, the shame and blame kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. instead of like, oh, we're all human. And yes, this was not okay. Whatever it was, whatever it is, it is not okay. And I'm not going to say that it's okay. But what I am going to say is as long as it doesn't have humanity attached to it, it can never be held responsible. And I think that, um, that, that like being able to do that, being able to attach humanity, um, gives a huge sense of relief and also, um, a necessary, Like in the beginning, the beginnings of the necessary process of healing. Um, yeah, it's it's hard, especially when mm-hmm. we're re- like truly wronged. You know, it's easy to at least feel a sense of like, well, at least I know it wasn't me, right? I know it wasn't me, and in and in my particular situation, I know it wasn't me. And in your situation, I'm pretty confident that it wasn't you. Um, <laughs> like, but you know, at the at the end of the day, um, like that can give a sense of like righteous indignation, and we go through that grief process of like, you know, I want to make them pay. I'm going to search for justice. All of these things. But what justice is there against an organization now? Now, granted, like, if you're needing to set up, you know, sort of blockades or safeguards so that other people are not going to have to experience these kinds of things, then I think absolutely, like, it's probably a very necessary thing to do. And so, you know, maybe you need to talk to an attorney and say, hey, I want to make sure that this doesn't happen to other people. I want to make sure that this doesn't become a precedent that... um, you know, that people can breach these contracts, especially an AGMA contract. Jeez Louise. Like the yeah. purpose of a union is that they protect you, but it doesn't feel, but like you said, Thank you, know, you. you know, that they <laughs> like, you know, do they have, is it a conflict of interest because they're not just representing you. They're also representing that company. Um, and that's a huge conflict of interest. Um, yeah. So, you know, in that country, that, that company is a lot bigger. Um, and provides a lot more contracts than just one person, but, yep. but, um, but that doesn't mean that it's okay. It doesn't mean that I talk liver. That's right. Ding it. You know, it's funny. I love all, I love this. I'm actually going to get this book cause I've been meaning to, since you told me about it, what, like two years ago or something. Yeah. It was a while ago that you told me about the Desmond Tutu book. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think Sarah was really surprised when I said to her, I'm, I'm genuinely sorry if I caused that general director to feel panic because, you know, she's new and, you know, in that yeah, situation, that first rehearsal. Compassion and I'm sure Sarah was like, well, what? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, uh, I know, actually, I think she just... It kind of, she just didn't even process it because she was like, I can't, like, I can't accept that information from you in this moment. But like, I genuinely feel that way because I try to see, I try to see situations from all sides and I can, I can imagine, you know, 
I can imagine a scenario where she didn't just have someone else in mind and was looking for the slightest reason to get rid of me, but that she genuinely was in the rehearsal watching me not know that part of the russet. And even though it represented one to two minutes of a three hour rehearsal, she was like, Oh no, you know, my countess isn't ready. I've got to find someone else. And you know, she went through the throes of whatever that was, you know, her own, I did want to say I mean, this one. I, other... did, I just feel like, I don't know, man. I feel like you don't do that, you know, when you've got a show starting in three weeks and scrambling to find someone to replace. Like, that's a lot yeah. of work. And yeah, I agree. That's a lot of work. If you don't well, and one thing, one thing I've learned from, uh, from, because I've worked with a lot of conductors, um, over the years, and I've worked with even under the baton of people like Ricardo Muti and Zubin Mehta and people who are, you know, and, and in recent years, you know, in the last seven years or so. And, um, and these are people who are just so, I mean, larger than life as far as, you know, their resumes and what they've, what they've done, what they've accomplished. And these are people who can see the whole picture. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a rehearsal with a conductor who is inexperienced and how much time they waste and how they focus on the wrong things. And I'm not oh. trying to say that like, as like, oh. I'm mad about I it, mean, but you know, it's, it's just, just it's a learning curve. You got to figure right. it out, you know, and we right. just, we kind of, and we're glad we have chairs. Right. And iPhones. And, <laughs> right. And I was, and it, with these two conductors, I was, I was a ringer and a chorus in both cases. Uh, the Verdi Requiem and um, a, bu a bunch of other music that anyway, it doesn't matter, but these conductors were able to pinpoint the exact things that needed to happen in each rehearsal in order to use the rehearsal time as efficiently as possible for the overall work, you know, for the, the overall, um, you know, what they were trying to say with yeah. the work, with the, with the whole piece, you know, and it was such a, it was such a breath of fresh air for me to work with them because I was like, whoa, no time wasted. Like no, no moment of, of dullness. Everything was just from this to that to that. And it's all completely, and it was pleasurable. I didn't feel, I didn't feel rushed and I didn't feel put upon. I felt exhilarated. And, and I'm, so I've had that experience and I know that not everybody not everybody is at that level, <laughs> but yeah, you hope I mean, when they're it, that's sort of like your 10,000 hours, right? Like yeah. when you put in your yeah. 10,000 hours and you know, the scores backward and forward and you know, like where the pitfalls are and, and you know how to get certain sections, especially in a piece like the Requiem, like, you know, you, you know how to get certain sections to beef up certain parts or, you know, bring it back or like, you know, what the perfect vowel is for this particular section, like all of that stuff, like, you know, it because you've put your time in and right. you yes. know, allowing, you know, allowing there to be room for people to do that is such a gift. And it's not just a gift. It's also like what, what allows for those kinds of experiences to be really incredible because yes. that's, you know, that's the, that's the taking of something that because it's all new people is something raw and unique, um, and new, but it's also infused with knowledge and experience and, um, 
and those things create something, you know, it's sort of like fireworks, you know, you, you yeah. get to have, you get to have something that can be, you know, both, um, both have that, that sense of, of beautiful majesty that really only comes with something that has stood the test of time and also, um, excitement because because you're infusing it with this life that is new uh because it's a new experience with new people who are giving everything that they are like when and you know i i I just love it when when we can do that and when we're not afraid to do that and you can find those people who are willing to to search and build and become that but we also have to foster it within each other just through our interactions you know i mean i can't tell you how many productions i've been in where someone's seeing something beautifully and i'll go up to them like oh man that was awesome you know and like and they're like oh well thank you you know and like surprised (laughs) that i said that and i'm just like freaky game man like you nailed that you nailed it like it's because they were expecting you to pin up their their headshot in your in your room and start throwing darts at it that was awesome that was that was awesome and that was awesome here's your nose no i'm like no like what does that do how does that help anyone it's called being magnanimous rachel you're a good colleague and you're magnanimous magnanimous so um i i want to say one more thing because then i probably should jet off my my sweet husband is a little under the weather and i need to go tend to his needs hydration etc so um so there's there's a silver lining here so the i realized a week or week or so ago maybe more it's it's been going on for a month now so it's hard for me to keep track of time that I, I realize that one way I'm going to try to sidestep this in the future is dedicating myself even more, even harder to my craft and taking my singing and my my musicianship and everything to the next level and just be able to work at 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 the types of houses where you run into conductors like Ricardo Muti and Zubin Mehta <laughs> and uh, well hey, you and- do you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You do yeah. you. And in three weeks, I'm flying to New York for um, an audition. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. And I'm you gonna, know what? Gonna... And you, you're going to show up there and you'll be like, there's no way in hell this could be any worse than what I just <laughs> went through. No. You know what I'm saying? That's like, right. And that's, right. and that's And that's what you take in there. And you smile and it gives you that kind of smile that's like on the side of your face, you know, because you know something they don't. And... <laughs> And you sing it, and and you do you. Yes, I do me, and I've got a fire in my belly now. I'm like, I'm so ready for this. It's That's true. Right. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's true. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you are my friend and Likewise. that I have you in my life, Rachel. Yay, friends. Hey, yay transparent singer. That's right. That was your transparent soul talk. That's what That's right. That's what, uh, that's inspired what that our transparent singers. That's right. And that I love your transparent soul. Thank you for being so transparent. Like my soul. Yeah, thanks for opening up and talking about stuff. I think that that's that's really good. 
I think it was really messy in the beginning. I apologize. It's probably going to be an editing nightmare. Is Nicholas still doing your editing? Uh, no. Um, Morgan's doing it, so I'll ask oh. her to do that today. Oh. Yeah. Oh. 